0: But is he Sorry. just going to pop in? Like,
1: Yeah, uh, we're talking about uh, one of our guests later on who is out at the polling places. Um, uh, we have two guests on. One of them is waiting in the wings. The other one is out putting up uh, uh, campaign signs at polling locations. Uh, so he will be on episode 131 of decentralized revolution here in just a bit uh that's uh uh, where the mises caucus podcast i'm aaron uh back with michael and brandy it's been a while since the three of us have been together i was in taiwan for like three mondays uh had a great time over there china did not bomb us or whatever while we were over there so that's good um mike has been with the rectum wall campaign we're going to get to that later but brandy how what's uh what's going on with you
0: uh, so I actually just recently started a podcast called Cogn- Cognitive Vigilance, and it is pretty much just talking about the cultural zeitgeist of the moment and intersection, intersexual politics uh, intersexual dynamics and dating and all sorts of fun stuff. So it's been it's been fun. Not not politic, re- not politics related at all. It's, just okay.
1: been,
0: it's been a good time
1: what i just had we just had our seventh anniversary a couple months ago and the best thing about being married well one of the top five things about being married is never ever having to go on a first date again and especially (laughs) in 2023 i'm glad i don't ever have to do that again in my life so i'm sure you got a lot to talk about yep what anything in what's like do do people even go on dates anymore like what's Well, yeah,
0: it's all changed now because of dating apps. And like, I think that that's actually been causing a lot of chaos in for people in the dating realm. Like, I think people just aren't used to it. We're just not built for this. And like, I don't think that like our little animal brains have caught up to the technical revolution that the technological revolution that we're living in. And I think that that's been, you know, an issue for sure.
1: Okay, so they can find the podcast just by Googling Cognitive Vigilance.
0: Yep, and, it's on YouTube. And, and I've, it's every Thursday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern.
1: And you can always check Brandy out on her Twitter, which her handle is right there, Creatrix Twitch TV, I guess, uh, underscore, underscore TTV. Yep. Okay. Yep. I will, right.
2: I got to say, and I, I'm sure you agree with me, Aaron, that like I'm pretty glad to be married.
1: Oh, yeah. Like, I could, That's I what I was imagine. just saying.
2: Yeah, like I, I couldn't imagine navigating this crap now. Um, and then even even when I was dating, I was fortunate enough to – like I met my wife through high school. You know what I mean? And and there was kind of like uh, I cold-shouldered her once in the past. She cold-shouldered me once in the past. And then, you know, we came back together. But like, um, yeah, so I didn't have to go through that stuff. And then you probably – I couldn't imagine you on a dating app just like logistically.
1: To me? You know yeah, I mean? like, yeah. And, yeah. With, and, with- and, <laughs> like Well, oddly enough, my wife and I met on eHarmony, so it was on the desktop. Oh, so Don't you were that, on an but...
0: online, but that was like before it got to like its swiping evolution. Well, and
1: and eHarmony is a website <laughs> like you can't just like like message a bunch of people off the jump. You have to like you know you do like a personality profile and say what you're actually looking for in a relationship, and so it's for people who like i was looking for a wife right like i was not looking for a short-term thing so um and uh talked to a couple other one other person kind of in depth and that didn't work out and that's good because i like uh who i'm with now so um but yeah it's but i guess just like anything like whatever you want you can find it so like if there's i'm sure there's apps now i haven't heard people mention e-harmony in a while but i assume it's still there but so I'm sure you can find like marriage minded people or you could find like every s- other single thing. So I, yeah. So, but yeah, yeah. The me, me doing all that now would be, uh, that would be a good sitcom, but
0: I think it causes a paralysis of choice. Like you have too many choices. So a lot of people just enter a state of paralysis from it. Maybe you do.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I,
1: I have know. to lose
2: 40 pounds if I get a divorce.
1: Yeah. You, you but, got, you got, being being brandy you have uh you have more th- more options than than oh, maybe okay. somebody like uh, me or mike but <laughs> we'll let no them comment. Go, I guess. but
2: yeah well well well, wait. well you can subs- you can get that answer if you subscribe to the podcast i am think <laughs> yeah
1: all right so um before we bring on our first guest who has already been on the show and is a really great guy and i i w- when we had him on uh, there was some stuff brewing, so we're going to get those updates, but Mike, tell us, uh, um, uh, what you've been doing with, uh, the rectal Wall campaign and, and how that's going.
2: Well, i got a, I've got a, a, another job. Like I got a, a side gig too. I'm not going to say where, um, you know just in case but you know I picked up another job and uh working with the uh, Rectonwald campaign so we've been recruiting state campaign coordinators left and right um you know work to get him on Timcast which he did a a very very good job on um you know I think he's really getting his legs under him in this new role that he finds himself in of of being kind of a liberty evangelist as opposed to just a like a professor um so we were very happy about that there's multiple really good opportunities that have opened up for him uh as a result of that um if you go to rectorregime.com you can see the schedule see what all he's got going on he's doing podcasts every day pretty much uh you know multiple podcasts a day i mean he's really getting out there and getting about it and then you know other than going around and and getting state campaign coordinators uh just been really building the the kind of framework of what i want to do with the campaign once he's the the nominee Um, and I won't spill all the details, but, um, you know, surprise, surprise, I want to rip off what Ron Paul did with, uh, with his campaign, um, you know, and, and really focus on colleges and, um, making the campaign more of a a cultural and educational movement than a, than a political movement for political ends, you know, especially in this environment where, you know, people, people need to realize, I know people don't want to hear the hard truth sometimes, but, um. You know, people need to realize that if RFK really does decent getting on these ballots, it could be rough, you know, like in terms of the vote totals. And so if we really define the race by the vote totals, like the prags that we replaced, um, you know, we're going to end up with egg on our face. So I really think that we have to go the more Ron Paul educational, cultural route, get in front of as many people as possible um you know and he's got a lot of earned media he's got dave support to get on you know rogan and these other big podcasts and stuff like that so you yeah. know i think he's well suited to do that and uh we're gonna keep pushing
1: yeah and i i was we had a internal um Mises uh meeting uh, i think it was yesterday we were talking about how i think rectum is the best lp candidate we've had since like uh uh, Harry Brown Brown. and, and, uh, Ron Paul. And they I think he's going to do the same thing, which is not try to vote chase. And I, I actually will defend Gary Johnson on a lot of things, Bill Weld, not being one of them, but that strategy was like, okay, we have the, the national campaign, which we have a chance to reach a lot of people with the message. And they watered it down, especially in 2016. We had, we got what four plus million votes, None of those, very few of those people stayed in the party afterward. It was basically a protest vote. Larry Sharp did come from the Johnson campaign and he is a great, great asset to the LP, but you know, national level, people don't think we're going to win and we're not because the game is rigged. So we have to, it has to be inspirational and educational and then use all that political capital that we win and those activists that we win to play the local game. And so that's, uh, I will bring in our guest uh, here in a second when he's ready, uh, because he is a uh, local candidate, but that's what we're doing with uh, Project Decentralized Revolution. Uh, We've got 19 candidates uh, who got our official endorsement who are on the ballot tomorrow. And uh, another, um, you ready? I'll bring you in here in a second. Okay. Um, our guest is Derek Brose. Uh, he was, um, last time we talked to him, candidate for mayor in Houston, and I know there was uh, some uh, uh, some things going on. They were trying to kick you off the ballot because you are taking it to the streets. And so, um, yeah, just tell us what's going on and, and uh, give us a, an update uh, since you were on a couple of months ago.
3: Yeah, I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me back on. And uh Mike, that cat is huge. Like, it's incredible. <laughs> yeah,
2: man. He's, my little, he's my little lion, man.
3: Stealing all the attention. Um, so yeah, last time I spoke with you guys, I was telling y'all about my campaign for mayor, and uh, we had been endorsed by the Harris County Libertarian Party, Texas Mises Caucus, and just getting showing up in the polls. Uh, had a lot of support coming in, and uh, we filed on day one like I was planning to, and they uh, you know, sent me a rejection letter for my ballot a couple days after that, basically claiming that my uh, nonviolent drug possession felony that I got when I was 20 years old, which was 18 years ago, that that disqualified me under Texas election code from being on the ballot. So pretty much after that, for the next 30 days, up until the deadline, which was August 21st at 5 p.m., I was on the phone with. Um, felons, felons rights organizations, uh, civil liberties organizations, lawyers, just talking to all kinds of people to see who had some idea of what, you know, what routes I had, what options I had and what we could do. And in the end, you know, I was able to generate a lot of uh, media coverage of it, like literally down to the wire of the final day, the final deadline. I had three different local media stations interviewing me about this, like, hey, is he going to make the ballot? Is he not going to make the ballot? I organized a letter where all of the other mayoral candidates signed on this letter saying that they supported my right to run, that they didn't have any problem with me being on the ballot. We got that publicized and um, had people calling and emailing the city attorney's office and the mayor's office. And then, of course, me and my attorney calling them. And I literally went down there and and just despite all that, they, they refused to budge. And. Uh, kept me off the ballot. So here we are now, two and a half months later, and tomorrow's the election, uh, November 7th. And so after that, pretty much once I realized like, all right, it's official, like I'm not going to be on the ballot. My team and I, we sort of reorganized and evolved what was the Bros for Mayor campaign and have started calling it the movement to empower Houstonians. And we basically were just focusing on some of the core issues that I was promoting as a candidate. And instead, we continue to go campaign by showing up at all the different forums and debates and uh, campaign events happening around the city uh, and promoting those. And specifically, as I told you guys last time, there was an opportunity for Houstonians to actually limit the gov- the government. You know, it doesn't do exactly what I wanted to do. I was running as a mayoral candidate saying, if I win, I'm going to basically make this office meaningless and kind of, uh, you know, really limit its power. That unfortunately isn't going to happen this time, but Proposition A is is the name of this charter amendment. It's on the ballot and it will make it where three council members can introduce agenda items and uh, essentially break the stranglehold that the mayor's office in Houston has had for at least, this goes back to like the 70s. So at least the last 50 years, the city government has been set up in this way. Where the mayor is basically a dictator and the city council members although they have districts and they're supposed to represent different areas of the city they pretty much can't do anything so Mm -hmm. tomorrow that is on the ballot in addition to um mayor and all that stuff so we just started focusing on that the last couple months and then at the same time i was also talking with my attorney and, and trying to decide all right do i want to take on this legal fight you know it wasn't really what my plan was my plan was to run for mayor and reach people and do all that and I think we did that effectively. I know we definitely made Proposition A an issue where it wouldn't have been like none of the media was talking about it. None of the candidates were talking about it. And here we are today. You know, all the media is discussing the fact that this is going to be a big thing for the city. But nevertheless, I had some supporters say that, hey, if you decide to take this legal fight, I will and you know invest and donate. And so I had um, we've raised, I think, six thousand dollars so far. My lawyer estimates it's going to take us 15 to 20 thousand and probably a year to a year and a half to get this all said and done but we officially filed the lawsuit last week and basically what we're doing we're suing the city of Houston saying that their interpretation of Texas election code actually violates the Texas constitution as well as the mm-hmm. US constitution because as i mentioned to you guys before the election code says something very vague that if you've been convicted of a felony, you must be relieved of all resulting disabilities and different courts have interpreted those terms different ways. But essentially we're just saying like, look, I did my time. I, you know, it's a nonviolent crime. I don't owe the state any money. Um, I'm I'm all good. And people in my situation, like maybe there's an argument for violent felons. I'm willing to concede that, but, you know, people in my position should be able to if they want to run for office.
1: Yeah. Hey, did they uh, did they do a background check on the ballot language uh, uh, of, uh, a, of Proposition A? Because what if it had a felony? They shouldn't let it on the ballot, right? <laughs> uh, but then a background it, check. <laughs> But but in all seriousness, though, weren't you actually on the ballot four years ago for the same race or a similar race? Is that?
3: Yeah, I ran for mayor in 2019 as well. And so this is the other thing that makes this whole thing (laughs) even more of a slap in the face. I ran in 2019 and I ran very openly as a felon this time. I mean, I wasn't hiding it, but it wasn't like my central kind of message. But in 2019, I very much ran openly saying, hey, I've been in the criminal justice system. I've been a part of the drug war. I know what that's like. And they didn't have any issue with it. and the other thing is when when it was being reported on by the Houston Chronicle, which is the big paper in Houston, they interviewed the Houston, the city attorney and the city attorney acknowledged or admitted that they actually don't do any kind of research beyond the yeah. form. So if I had just checked no, like if I had lied and said, no, I haven't been convicted of a felony, literally nobody would have checked. And even though everybody knows I'm a felon, I still would have been in the race. And it's just stupid that I try, I figured I was like, you know what? I even asked my team, we were there at city hall filling out the form. And I asked them, I was like, should I put no here? Like this might, you know, make help us avoid this. And everybody was like, look, I got the paperwork I had to show them. I did my time. I figured that would be enough. I've deserved it. I don't feel like I owe the state anything. So I did what I did, but it's just annoying to know on top of that, they don't even put any resources into actually going to check these documents.
0: Being punished Mm -hmm. for honesty. No.
1: (laughs) Well, you're there's there's damn
2: incentives again. (laughs)
0: You've got
1: got, uh, just another uh, punch on your libertarian cred punch card to have like the Board of Elections or whoever screw with you. Like I I was involved in some campaigns in Ohio where they applied a signature. They applied a law regarding signature gathering to get on the ballot that they uh, later in court, in federal court, they admitted the secretary of state's office admitted they had never even attempted to check and force research this thing ever before, but because the Republican party, uh, said, Hey, why don't you guys look at this? Because we don't want the libertarian governor candidate on the ballot. They're like, Oh, okay. You know? So like that, that happens all the time in, in much smaller races. So to, uh, uh, to happen at, you know, like it was a big story in Ohio in 2014. And I, I'm glad to see yours is, uh, a big story, uh, down there, uh, down there now i mean um it is just I'm doing what it, i it, it's, it's, amazing. it's amazing
3: free media out of it I, i'm trying to turn it into like hey i'm going to get as much free press as possible not only because i think this issue matters like i don't know if i'll ever run uh, again and do this again but if we win obviously that would you know that might make encourage me but realistically the reason i'm doing this you know beyond any kind of street cred or any kind of like whatever sticking it to them I've met some really good people over the last six months that I've been campaigning here in Houston, and they're not even necessarily libertarian, but they are good people who are out here fighting the community. And some of them have felonies just like me. Maybe they did something when they were younger and they're trying to turn their lives around. And so I feel like if I I do win this, whether I run again or not, then it'll at least remove one more barrier to entry that people who have felonies like myself to deal with you know you've already got housing stuff and bs with jobs and stuff so if somebody's like hey I i changed my life and they feel like the best way they can serve their community is to run for city council or mayor or whatever if we win then they will have that ability to do so and of course like i don't think the state has rights like in a drawer somewhere and i just have to win them and here's your right to run for office back we'll give that back to you and you can go do that like i think it's just it's it's the rigged system that we're in and even by just filing this lawsuit i feel like we can show people how messed up the system is because a lot most most people i've talked to left right center whatever feel like something 20 years ago drug possession you know, no violence against anybody, no weapons. Like most people I've met, generally speaking, feel like, oh, that's stupid. You should be allowed to, you know, go about your life. I think like things have really changed and there's still a minority, a real minority of people that I'll see mainly online every now and then who are like, forget that guy. He made a crime. He did a crime once in his life. He's, you know, he's lost forever. But most people don't think that way. Yeah. Is there
0: a legal fund for people to donate to? the last yes there
2: is i appreciate
1: can you, mention it yeah yeah i'm gonna it type it
2: and we'll we'll put it out here yeah. yeah. or if you can, can just if it? it's
1: easy i can just uh type it in here, and put it up
2: tell me if this opens oh, that, that showing?
1: oh uh, let me go back here uh oh Instead did you put sharing, it in the
3: i don't know if it oh, there it goes there we go. Cool.
1: So oh, okay. that link
3: is just fundraiser, fund, slash bros lawsuit. If you also just go to my website, okay. derekbros.com and check the blog, it's like the last post you can see about this. Um, so we raised like what we have there is 3400 online. And then I had another offline donation of $3,500 from a supporter. Thank you very much. So we've raised, yeah, about $6,000 minus processing fees and all that. So we're doing pretty good. And like I said, this just started. We just filed the paperwork last week. Uh, and we're expecting, you know, at some point in the next couple of weeks, the state's going to respond. My lawyer is pretty much expecting our first round to be denied and we're going to have to appeal. We're going to be locked in some legal limbo for a little while here, but I plan to keep, you know, people updated if they do donate or whether they donate or not through my website. Uh, I'll keep everybody updated as it progresses. And I'm hoping that, you know, again, it does bring awareness at least to felons rights. It's not something that I really actually have to deal with for the most part, because after I got out of prison going to activism and in journalism and then discovering libertarianism and just becoming an entrepreneur, I don't really have to deal with as much BS as some other felons have to. So this is kind of the first time in my life in a while that I've actually felt like, Oh, here's that stupid kind of judgment on me. And even unfortunately, as part of this lawsuit, I've had to fill out a lot of paperwork and it's, and it's just, just today I've sent something to the board of pardons and paroles as part of the lawsuit. And I had to get three letters of friends to, you know, here government I'm a good person please let me have these rights back and even just doing that it's so demoralizing just having to go through this process of kind of just yeah just going through all this and realizing that they think they own me they think they have my rights and you know in, in order for me to run for office or to get certain things back like if you want to apply for gun rights and all this kind of thing you have to just play their game I mean I hate it but it's uh, ho- I'm doing it because I'm hoping for the bigger picture that it, it serves some something greater than just myself mm-hmm
2: Yeah, man. I, and I, and I think you have a real opportunity to do that on multiple fronts here. I mean, not, not just the precedent that you could set for other people to, uh, to run and, and, you know, make it through this hurdle. Um, but I I really think this prop B thing, if you, if we could get some more into the details of that, um, Mm -hmm. is, is a really, really big deal here because I remember in 2019, um, I was volunteering for Maj Touré to run for city council in Philly. And these, uh, these local level races in big cities, they might as well be, you know, federal level races where you need like millions of dollars to be, to be competitive. And like, you know, it's, it's, it's still a long shot for, you know, libertarian, uh, candidates and independent candidates and stuff like that. Um, but you have an opportunity here to parlay that into something truly, uh, meaningful, you know, and and truly impactful. Uh, and, and I think it's just a great story of, how you can parlay this into something like that. So if you can get more into that.
3: Sure. Yeah. So it's, it's proposition A. You know, before I talk about that, I'll, I'll just, you know, what to what your point about having to spend all this money. The two, the two leading candidates who are probably going to make it into this runoff because voter turnout so low, nobody wins the first round. So there's always a runoff. Uh and there's 18 candidates running. But the two leading candidates are as expected, the career politicians who have a combined 80 years between them, literally 80 years, the guy who's probably going to win it has been in politics for 50 years and is spending $10 million on this local race to win this freaking mayorship. So it's insane. Like the He's just dwarfing the... But the only reason he can do that is because he has a war chest of 50 years and Texas law allows him to use that for this race. Use all the money he's raised, stocks that he has. It's crazy just what's going on down here. But nonetheless, the only bright spot I would say is the potential to pass Proposition A. And that's why I've been going so hard on it and really just... Putting all my energy into this. Thankfully, the one good thing about it is there has been no organized opposition. So there have been no, you know, um, ads running on TV or billboards saying vote no on Prop A. In the beginning, some of the council candidates were being outspoken and kind of saying, well, in principle, I agree. Council members should have more of a voice. But they would add some caveat about why they didn't like it or whatever. But as time has gone on, and I think they've seen how popular it is, all of the candidates have now embraced it. We started, and I think again, partly because of us, because we were going to these events and asking them, "Hey, what do you think about Prop A?" And like with a camera in their face and putting out a little video, "Hey, this this council member says they're for it. Check them out." Or "Hey, this crazy guy says he thinks Prop A would be a bad thing. He doesn't want you to have a voice." And so they saw that we were actually pushing for this issue, and kind of lobbying for it for the people. And really, again, it's just because. We just we just want this thing to pass because, I mean, my my approach is going to be to try to use this as soon as it gets into uh, if it does pass to try to go straight to three council members and start getting things on the weekly agendas to start pushing through whatever it is that we're trying to do at that time. You know, I mean, that's that's I think the big opportunity is it's not it's a small procedural change. And whenever I tell people about it, I feel like they kind of miss how big it is. But this little change is going to probably if used, if people actually take advantage of it revolutionize uh Houston's local politics and the potential to get things done.
1: Yeah.
2: Another it, thing I'm really oh sorry, Aaron. Um another another thing I'm really noticing in what you're saying here is I have noticed two different occasions of you building coalitions uh in this story. Um you've built a coalition around uh Prop A itself and you built a, a coalition uh to support you like remaining on the ballot. Um and you know, how did you go about doing that? I think this is something that, uh, libertarians broadly can really learn from, you know, coalitions in, in my research, we as libertarians, particularly big L libertarians, there's really two areas where we're, um, consistently effective. And that is these issue coalitions and local level politics. So knowing how to do that is important. How did you go about getting this support from your own opponents?
3: Yeah, I mean, I I think that in my activism on the local level, I've always focused on trying to build alliances with people. I've given the example before, you know, we just passed uh, October 22nd, which for years has been known as National Police Brutality Day. And, you know, a decade ago, you would have the National Police Brutality Day and you've had like the local commies out with their flags and you've had the cop watch people and you had the libertarians, you had some anarchists. And we were all out there. For that cause, National Police Brutality Day. We weren't we weren't debating economics or you know whatever. We were just talking about this one issue. And so I've kind of always just I guess in terms of activism, grown up doing that, like working with people. I have the ability to set my my strong beliefs aside for a moment and say, hey, I can work with this person on this issue, even though I think they're totally crazy in this other area. And I think that really is a, a benefit if more people did that, we could get things done. So I definitely was doing that when it came to this local race. When I was in the race, we were going to uh, I was speaking at Democrat groups, Republican groups, even though the races are officially nonpartisan, we were still going to like the local political clubs. We were going to the black neighborhoods, and the white neighborhoods and the Korean neighborhoods. I mean, there's one hundred and seventy something languages spoken in Houston. So you've got like an Indian part of town like you got Korean. There's a lot of different little kind of smaller areas of town. Yeah, a there's
1: lot lot of Tha- that- a lot of Taiwanese <laughs> down there. A lot of Taiwanese oh, down there. My wife and I are a huge Asian
3: gonna... community down yeah. there. Vietnamese, Korean. I mean, so and my point with that is, if you get into these communities because they're not all used to even any politicians or candidates bothering coming to speak to them, you can really get them activated. And some of them, there, there definitely, I would say, is a portion of the immigrant community in houston that is very politically active not everybody but definitely there are those who are engaged and like you got the korean community organizing their own forums so i mean i just show up i just show up i talk to people uh i share what we're about you know and, and just try to build where we can again knowing that we're not going to be able to agree on everything and and that's fine because i was very um intentional with my desire to run i wanted to bring up the last couple years COVID insanity up. I wanted to be able to bring that up into debates as terms of uh, vaccination uh, mandates and stuff like that. I wanted to be able to bring up issues about police surveillance. So we made the shot spotter, which is the surveillance tool that police departments use around the US. We made that part of the conversation. Um, Again, just talking about the power of the mayor, Prop A is directly related to that. So just by showing up and connecting with all kinds of groups around there. And really, it's not that I'm like suppressing or uh, giving up any of my beliefs to go work with these people. I just, you know, I, I hold what I have in my heart, but I still show up and I'll go there. I'm like, okay, they said some climate change thing. I'm just going to ignore that. And let's focus on this thing or they're doing whatever, you know, wherever we disagree, I just don't lose myself. And the same thing. I go into the right wing groups and I'm like, oh my God, we're doing the Texas pledge next. Okay. (laughs) And I'm like, you know, I'm just like, there's things where we're not definitely on the same page, but I stay there and I stick it out and I work with the people where I can. It just takes patience and time and excuse me one other thing i would mention mike since uh you know i think you're looking for some kind of ideas that might work elsewhere one of the things that i just took the own my own initiative to do because as i said i care about bodily autonomy and individual liberty and once i realized look i'm not going to be in this race anymore many of the people who are following me who wanted to support me are people who want to vote for somebody who is not going to issue a vaccine mandate who want to vote for somebody who does care about privacy and these kind of things And unfortunately. The rest of the candidates don't really fit, fit that bill but i actually organized my own survey i just made up an organization i just called it sovereign houston and i emailed every single city council candidate every uh, controller candidate and every mayoral candidate just went online and made a real simple survey and it was called sovereign houston and i said we're a coalition of groups from around houston who care about informed consent and bodily autonomy and then just asked four simple questions asked them yes or no gave them a final question of if elected to mayor Uh, What would you do to protect bodily autonomy, uh, you know, and and, uh, informed consent of Houstonians and let them say what they wanted? I gave them 30 days. I emailed them a couple of times. In the end, five mayoral candidates responded and a few different city council members responded. We turned that into some graphics. I publicized that through my email list, through my website, put, send it out to all the people I know, because since I did get kicked out of the race, there were people who were like looking to me of like, hey, are you going to endorse somebody or who should I, you know, is there anybody you would recommend? And so I put that information out there just kind of as a service to anybody in Houston who does give a shit about these things to say, hey, some of these people, even though they're not making it their their kind of focal point of their campaign, some of these people actually seem to have a brain and, you know, do care about liberty, even if it's not like their main message or maybe they just don't know how to message it. You know, they might just might not be good with marketing what they believe in. And so I put that out there just kind of as a service to anybody who cares. And uh, that's been cool to do that. And and I want to encourage anybody else to do that. Like I said, I made up an organization. There's no Sovereign Houston. I it's love that. Me. And I, just, <laughs> I just made it up and I was like, all right, I'm going to, I create a new email address, Sovereign Houston at Proton Mail, and just sent out this thing. And, you know, when they respond and I signed it, um, the, the candidate committee of Sovereign Houston or something like that, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's just me. It's just me, but I got responses and actually now that information is being used by people to help them decide who they're going to vote for tomorrow, you know, so make an effort, just just show up, dude, just make an effort, try to get information. A lot of times, the last thing I'll say in that, a lot of times these candidates, they're desperate for any attention that they can get. They want to talk to people if, you know, they, they want to respond to surveys like that because they figure, oh, there's a group out there, they might have voters, they might have a mailing list, I, you know, I, maybe they're not going like to all, like all my answers, but I'll answer a survey. And, uh, because when I was a candidate, I was getting those surveys and I responded to as many of them as I could. So I know that they get them and, um, you know, they will answer them. So that's another thing you can do just to kind of put people on the spot and find out where they stand on the issues you care about. That's a pretty slick little as,
2: insight.
1: Yeah. I, I'm curious as to what, um, the, um, responses to the label libertarian. I know you probably don't go in every, um, you probably pick your spots as to when you actually use the term and, and how you market yourself in different crowds, which I'm, I I think is obviously the wise thing to do, but then, uh, sometimes in libertarian circles and then other people commenting on the LP, it's like, Oh, you guys are crazy. Everybody, um, libertarian has such a bad connotation. Uh, you shouldn't run as libertarian. So, uh, and I, so I'm always, uh, wanting to hear what the actual experience on the ground is. So what is the label perceived as when you have brought it up?
3: You know, actually I, I was really interested to see that as well myself, because, you know, this has been one of my major issues with the local, the Harris County libertarian party of which I consider many friends. And then even those on the local level who are part of the Texas Mises caucus that, um, they could do so much better locally. They, they don't get involved locally. They only participate in state and federal races. And so I'm the first candidate that's ever been endorsed by the Harris County Libertarian Party. And that could be because there's never been a real libertarian running, you know, which I'm willing to say that's probably the case. But I think that beyond that, I've never seen them at any events. I've never seen them showing up. They weren't at any of these forums promoting the Harris County Libertarian Party. They weren't out there saying, hey, these are the values that we care about Hey, you know, we want to talk to some of you candidates that seem like maybe we're speaking the same language. Right. I just think there's such a, a huge um, and that's not an attack on anybody. I just I think there's a lot of room for growth there for sure that if I was involved, I would be like some of the things I was doing just as a candidate or is just the movement to empower Houstonians. Um, just as one example, I mentioned the shot spotter. There's a group here in houston called this coalition which is a collection of a bunch of different kind of civil liberties uh progressive organizations and they're the main ones who've been championing like we need to get rid of shot spotter they're also been calling for freezing hpd's budget until they can you know justify it because it's just past a billion dollars and True. they they have a coalition of groups all over you know different kinds of groups like billion, hey did
2: you say
1: billion? One
3: billion dollars dude the first time ever it just happened yeah um And so the cops are getting all this money and, you know, and and the crazy thing is in this city, it's, it's even though there's really no defund the police movement, even that idea that, Hey, maybe we should freeze that budget. So they justify all these crazy things they have going on. That's just like, not, not a single candidate would endorse that idea, except for me, the idea of freezing the budget for even a period of time. But nonetheless, this rise coalition is doing a lot of good work and they are a coalition. And so they ask groups to sign on board and say, sign our pledge you know, call on HPD to end the shot spotter contract. There's no reason the Harris County Libertarian Party shouldn't be on that coalition, but they're not. They're not participating in things like that. They're not getting out there. They're not getting connected and plugged in in ways that I personally think they could be that would make, so that when I, to your question, when I show up and if somebody says, oh, Derek, you're endorsed by the Harris County Libertarian Party, so you were libertarian, and they are much more likely to understand what that means if There have been libertarians actively engaged in getting, you know, showing up and talking to them, whereas otherwise they're more likely to, as you pointed out, kind of have some sort of skewed version of what they think libertarianism. But I would say for the most part, you know, because we got the we got the Harris County Libertarian Party mentioned in all of the local media during my campaign. I just by that endorsement and that was something I promised them we would do and they never treated it like it was crazy that was the good thing is they they were like oh Derek Rose is endorsed by the Harris County Libertarian Party and it wasn't like a, oh those crazy libertarians it, it just they just they tr- seem to treat it just as um they would any other kind of endorsement and so i haven't had any in fact i've had one of the other mayoral candidates come to me and like ask me if i can convince the Harris County Libertarian Party to endorse what? her because she's kind of a libertarian or whatever uh-huh. I'm like i don't think she really gets it but But the point is, it it definitely, like, I again, I just think that if they were more engaged, then there would be more conversation about libertarians in the first place. But for the most part, the libertarians in Houston that I've noticed, all they do is they go to uh, karaoke nights once a month or something like that. And they go to, what is it, like a a happy hour thing every now and then. Like, that's really all I've seen. And nothing against those things, but I haven't seen any active engagement beyond that in terms of showing up at neighborhood meetings, showing up at – Political forums, or rallies, or debate to be a force in the community on the local level.
1: Mike, I know you had Nathan Polsky on a couple of weeks ago. Uh, what's the status of uh, our team down in Texas? And just for some context, there, I know Texas is uh, the way their state delegates and stuff are chosen is pretty complicated, and it's a big state. So, what's our what's our prospects for uh, making it a Mises influenced? LP. Well, this is this is their. And I'm not talking
3: shit on anybody either. No, well, I, oh, I, no, I know no, you're no. not Derek. No, I'm, not, and-
1: I'm not asking for you to say anything specific about anybody. But like what you just said is exactly what we in the Mises caucus have been talking about for the last five years or so is that this is not LARPing at politics, right? This is not just to go to cocktail hour liberty on the rocks is this thing that people do it's like oh some i forget where they get the money for that but some big libertarian group gives people money to have happy hours at places they used to do that in ohio it's like oh great you know uh it's social hour when we could be out doing things and having socializing in while we're doing things so like um your criticisms are we love to hear honest you know, feedback on that, because that's what we're trying to get the LP away from. And there's been a lot of good people um, who need a little bit of a kick in the pants, I think, to uh, to get going uh, on the local uh, push, you know?
2: Yeah, I mean, and, and I know there's some people in Texas in the chat right now. So rise coalition. Write that down. <laughs> uh, Harris County. Um, yeah, I mean, they're working it. I don't I don't want to say too much, you know what I mean, but they're working it. They're hoping to have their takeover this year. And um, you know, I know Nathan is very dedicated to Project Decentralized Revolution. Um, you know, to what you were saying there, Derek, um, not only would Harris County do better if they focus more locally. The entire Libertarian Party and movement would do better uh, if they focus locally. I mean, I might be beating a dead horse, but I I think it bears repeating every time I get a chance. Um, You know, I I looked at the data for the Libertarian Party and like their candidates in 2022. And there was something like six or seven hundred people who ran as Libertarians for various offices across the country. And uh, the vast, vast majority of them ran for seats that were at the county level or higher. Um, And as a result of all of that work, all of that effort, all those signatures, you know, you got like, I think three or four victories at the county level across the entire country. But then once you isolate for the people who ran locally, uh, it was like 33% of them won or some crazy number like this that nobody would have expected. And I'm willing to bet that that 33% probably constitutes the floor of what could be done because chances are these candidates by and large are not getting training. They're not utilizing data. They're not knocking doors. They're not, you you know, uh, using tools and, and all of the things that will up the efficiency. Um, so that's, that's kind of a, a big, it's going to take time. It's a culture change in the LP, but like, um, yeah, kind of inverting that formula of like the massive libertarians run for these local level offices and then the minority seeking the ballot access races. And yeah, no, it's, it's definitely something that needs to be changed.
3: You know, I'm always blown away by just uh, and I imagine this is similar in, in most places, but just as an example, we went to a um, it was a community forum a couple of weeks ago. It was one of the the last debates, and there was there was three candidates there uh, talking to people in their district, and there was probably all of eight people there in that room. but wow literally sometimes that is where these battles are won in rooms with eight people like and these are people that like they go they get reported the candidates they get reported on the media and you know they seem all like big on tv and newspapers and here they are sitting to a room of six people trying to get votes you know like in and, and reality it's it's done so much more locally now of course there's backroom deals and like i said the leading candidate he's got millions of dollars behind him and whatnot but still just by showing up I'm there talking with him. I've been kind of putting a bug in his ear and telling him, like, look, it seems like you're going to win. And I just want you to know that I hope you're as friendly as you are with me now once you're in office, because I'm going to show up with my camera and I'm going to have some questions for you. I'm sure at some point, just by showing up, just by engaging with these people, you can see them and talk to them like regular people. Most council members are just regular people. Some of them are crooked and trying to find a way to get what they can by being in a local office or they have aspirations to be some, you know, kind of, there they are. To be, you know, some some <laughs> political kings or something, but most of them are just regular people. But then you have these two folks. You have so Sheila Jackson Lee on the right and John. Whitmire. She's been in
1: Congress for like thirty or since I was in high school. It seems like
3: John Whitmire is seventy four years old. He's been there since he was twenty two. Like literally, they eighty years between the two of them in terms of political uh, experience. I guess if you want to call it that, and they're both Democrats. But it, it's an, it's been an interesting thing. Sheila, the the woman on the right, she's playing the, I'm the real progressive. I'm the real uh, leftist. And he's a centrist Democrat who is donated to by quote unquote MAGA Republicans. And so he's trying to pull in, there's no conservative candidates really that are seen as a contender. So he's trying to pull in some conservatives this way and still play. I'm the leftist kind of guy. It's, it's a weird thing, but at the end of the day, they're just career politicians and they got millions of dollars. And one of the two of them is going to be the next mayor for the next four years, more likely the next eight years, because it's pretty hard to beat an incumbent once they're yeah. in office. Well,
1: she got elected. W- she got elected to Congress in 1994. I was a freshman in college.
2: <laughs> well, yeah. if the dude wins, at least you have the cool factor of like the founder of the X-Men as
1: a <laughs> mayor. <as laughs> Francis. Yeah, well, you know,
3: one, one other thing I'll say on that too, man, is that it's just, uh, it's, it's such a reflection of the national stage. So, as you guys, I'm sure, have seen, there's dozens and polls at this point showing that nobody's happy about a prospect of Trump versus Biden and people are just not looking forward to it. Right On the same token, for the same token you have on the local level with those two people we were just showing that a, a new poll came out a week ago and there's still 22 percent of people undecided. These They have collectively <laughs> spent 14 million dollars and it's probably going to be only 200,000 people out of a city of three million people showing up to vote. So even with them spending millions and millions of dollars, they still can't excite people. The Chronicle has written paper, uh, written an article saying, we need an audacious leader. Unfortunately, it doesn't look like we're going to get it this election. <laughs> and, and just kind of acknowledging, like, we don't see yard signs popping up like mushrooms. Like, there's no excitement. And there's some art- articles also acknowledging that, again, the two candidates are in their 70s going into their 80s. The average Houstonian's age is closer to my age. I'm 38. It's 34. And But then, of course, the only people voting – are 60, 70, and 80 years old. And so because only the old people vote, the only issues they get talked about are issues that apply to mainly older property owners, like flooding, infrastructure. And I did go to campus. I did speak with the young conservatives and you know they're kind of interested in Prop A, but for the most part, none of the issues that are being brought up, they feel like they apply to them. So why should they bother voting? So it's kind of this feedback loop of none of the young people vote, so their issues don't get discussed. Only the old people vote, so their issues are getting discussed. And the old people are running things Meanwhile, the city is very young and uh, it's it's just this really weird dynamic. Nobody's excited about it. And it re- just reminds me so much of what we're seeing happen on the national stage.
2: So what do you think it would take? Like, do you think it's a ballot access issue or 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 do you think it's apathy or like what do you think are the primary issues of how we could like animate that that silent majority, you know, like to to kind of be like, no, we do want to have a voice. We do want to have input on the issues um
3: you know i think that it is a combination of activating the silent majority i do th- i still do think it's it's kind of like a tried and true thing but i still do think the students are the key um they know this all when it comes to federal elections so you'll get like a big uh camp you know candidate like ron paul or even more to the mainstream like a bernie or a Beto or something that's showing up at like campuses and trying to get the younger ones excited but that's typically for the presidential elections like you really don't see any of that kind of excitement when it comes to local elections unfortunately now, last the last election in twenty nineteen, there was one of the other leading candidates was kind of like a Trump like figure, and he was known for doing big, um, kind of theatrical events. Like he showed up to city hall shoveling uh, a big ass thing of manure to be like, you know, city hall is full of shit. Like he would do stunts like this, and it would make the media. And but he still could barely get anybody to show up to vote. Like so, he's generating press, he's getting attention, but people didn't turn out. He lost the election. He spent millions of dollars of his own money. So it's not just you know, being bombastic and like Trump and try to do media stunts. And it's not just money alone, because even with all the money that these people are spending, people aren't showing up. I really do think it is an issue. It's it's Mm that these issues are just not being talked about. Because again, like if I wasn't as engaged as I am, and I wasn't 10 years ago, I wasn't paying any attention to the local elections. Like it's the last thing on my mind. And when I did go to the campuses, I asked the students, like, what do you, what's the most pressing thing to you right now that matters? And uh, those who are more progressive are kind of left leaning or are concerned about housing and inflation, which I think there's an argument to bring them into libertarianism by talking about the Fed and helping them see the root cause issues. And then those who are more kind of conservative also just felt like there's corruption at City Hall and the, and the government's not the city government's not working for them, you know, because Houston is a pretty particular uh, particular case where in the last year alone, the health department has been raided by the FBI, the housing department has been raided by the FBI. Like there's clearly something going on and nobody knows exactly what's happening, but people just know like something bad is going on at city hall. There was an indictment, you know, so there's just, I think people are just dissatisfied. They're not being listened to. And so, I mean, that was the goal of why we ran. I was hoping that if I talked about Uh, food inequality, coming at it from like a permaculture perspective and bringing in, not talking about climate change, but the environment. And, you know, people were definitely resonating with that. Hey, you want to talk about flooding? We're going to bring in hemp. We're going to bring more community gardens, like all these ideas. Sometimes it was people who are like, these are too big. These, you know, these are good ideas, but they're not ready for this. Other people were like, Hey, I'm going to vote for you just because you're the first person I've ever heard in a political race talk about permaculture, talk about Mm -hmm. privacy, talk about, you know, so it's like, I think that's what it is, is that nobody is really saying anything unique. You could look at all 18 of the mayoral candidates right now, and for the most part, you're going to see red, white, and blue. You're going to see lip service to infrastructure, flooding, make Houston better, just all this generic bullshit, honestly. I mean, I think that that's what we were trying to bring to the table was something refreshing and authentic and that people are really craving that.
2: That's really interesting. So like basically incorporating agorism got you some traction. Like people were attracted to like kind of the, uh, the non-political solutions.
3: I mean, that, I mean, cause I was definitely, even though like to your question earlier, Aaron, I wasn't like explicitly calling myself a libertarian, but anybody who knows libertarian philosophy could look at the ideas we were proposing. And we weren't saying we're going to institute a new tax to build community gardens. It was, you know, creative ideas. Like we're going to look at the lots that the city owns and we're going to get the permits and make those permits a dollar and give them to the neighborhoods, or just you know make the permits for free and use that as a way to encourage more community gardens and we're going to abolish putting fluoride in the water and take that million dollars and you know send people a five dollar check or redirect it towards something else they want you know it was all about like give you a choice give you a voice and i do think if they hadn't freaking cut my legs out from under me that we would have i don't know if we could make the runoff against these millionaires but i definitely know. I would be up there high enough to to make sure the conversation is even more than it is now. But uh, we'll see what the future holds.
1: So there's 18 people on the ballot, but having you on there is just too much. They had to get you off of there.
3: Just too much. Yeah, there's 17 and then a write-in candidate, and uh, one of them is a guy who shows up in a top hat and sings songs. One of them calls herself Mama, so she's listed on the poll- the ballot as Mama um it's an interesting just, cast just mama
1: that's it
0: i didn't know you could run and use a nickname
3: well it says annie mama garcia but they let oh, okay. her include her nickname yeah they let, they let her include it in there but yeah so it's an interesting and i've got to know all these people i'm not like saying anything bad it's, it's an interesting cast of characters but honestly any other those other 16 would probably be do less damage than these two career politicians that are probably going to win
0: hmm. i do like what you said because i i think that a lot of people forget that i mean the millennials have surpassed the boomers right like we're the largest generation now and i think that what you said makes a lot of sense that the issues just aren't like resonating with our generation like that's why they don't care to vote that's why they're they and it feels like you're basically just voting in it, that the election just it doesn't matter because you're voting in two sides of the same coin and It's hard to figure out how to get those people engaged. But when you said you were coming up with these like community solutions, like I think that is it. You know, I think those types of things would resonate with people that our age where we could be like, oh, this is a tangible thing that we can see and do and it will actually benefit us in a tangible way.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I tried to do those things last time and we did some of that. We're planning, even though, you know, this is just a part of my my activism. But like, for example, we were doing Bayou cleanups when I was a candidate, you know, Houston's a big Bayou city. So <laughs> we partnered with the local Bayou organization and say, hey, you want to come volunteer with the Bros for Air campaign? We're going to get out here. We know that the Bayou is dirty, but instead of waiting for me to win, we're going to just go start cleaning it up now. Or, hey, we know Houston has food deserts. So we're going to go volunteer at this community garden come with us and and doing things like that where people can actually see we're actually putting in work behind the things we're talking about. It's not just like I have ideas and maybe I'll do them if you elect me. It's like, hey, let's Mm -hmm. go create these things now and do it together. And I do think people resonate with that and appreciate that. Yeah,
0: because you're proving it with your actions. You're not just saying it. And I think that a lot of people are sick of just having politicians talk with no action. It's all words.
3: Oh, my God, you found him.
0: (laughs) So is this the silly guy?
3: This is he. Yeah, he he calls himself the fun candidate, and he shows up every time, and he sings this song. Whenever they're like, "Would you like to make opening statements?" He sings this song about uh, how he's the fun candidate, and yeah, it's. I I mean, it's a little funny, but at the same time, like, damn, this dude paid money. He paid. Is it like
0: satirical? Was he trying to be satirical, like Vermin Supreme kind of vibe? Not even that.
3: Not even. It's weird. Like he says he ran for office. 50 years ago when he was like 20 years old or something. And just like literally he signed up on the very last day. Cause I've been watching this close, you know, I was like, Oh God, am I going to be on the ballot? And all of a sudden 10 people signed up on the very last day. They hadn't campaigned, hadn't showed up to anything and just signed up. And then most of them still haven't showed up. So I don't, I really don't get it. I'm like, and it, it, what's going to be weird. What I'm going to watch tomorrow is if these random people who signed up at the last minute get votes for whatever reason. I mean, I haven't seen them campaign. I haven't seen them do anything, but it's just, Weird things like that happen sometimes, but I guess they felt they wanted to pay the money. And, you know, of course, that's all just like more salt in the wound of me being kicked off the ballot.
2: <laughs> Is there any um, polling for Prop A? Uh,
3: yeah, the the one poll that came oh. out, let me see if I can find it. There was a, the last poll that came out, I think like two weeks ago. It was mainly on the candidates, but it did show um, some numbers for Prop A. And so far it's looking good. I mean, there haven't been anything... Like I said, we haven't had any kind of organized resistance. I'll hear what it was. It was 57% of likely voters intend to vote for Prop A, while 12% intend to vote against, and 31% were undecided. So, I mean, it. I think that it's gonna pass pretty easily. But, you know, we we just haven't give, been given up like tomorrow, Election Day, me and a few of the other volunteers, we're going to be hitting up different locations. Just we've got our vote yes on Prop A. And as crazy it is to me, some people literally do show up to these places still having no idea what they're going to vote for or who they're going to yeah. vote for. So That's, it does make a difference to like sand them, hey, vote yes on Prop A, you know.
1: And a lot of times it, it makes a difference. Like I'm a professional editor and one of the things, well, I'm kind of still doing that. I'm doing something else now, but, um, one of the things like when you do test materials, you have to be very careful about how you word a question because you'll skew it one way or the other. Right. So like, and I've seen in, in past, uh, in Ohio and stuff when I was back there doing the LP thing that dip, you, you, you could tell the things that weren't going to pass if they were obscure or if like, oh, you yeah. know, it, it, because like, if it was just worded confusingly, those would go down. But if it was something like, you know, give city, you know, I don't know how yours is the prop A is it's, worded, but it's if it's worded very, good. You have a good shot. Thing.
3: Yeah. It's written like they, that's one thing I will say about the coalition that ended up getting the language. They wrote it as simple as possible. So, cause that was one of the things we, before we even knew what it was called, I was like, I hope they do not play with the language. Cause it should be a vote. Yes. It's a very, and to your point, that survey that I just listed the numbers, there's actually another proposition called prop B, which is unrelated. And I think it's a good measure too. But when they tried to do a survey for it, they said that it was written at an advanced collegiate level. So they weren't even able to poll with certain people because they didn't get Mm -hmm. the way it was written. So it was written too complex. So I don't know if it's going to pass because of that. Whereas prop A is written very basic should three council members have the power to add items to the agenda. Yes or no.
2: Stuff stuff like this is why I truly do not understand the totality. At the very least, the totality of the libertarians who are like, "I will never vote." You know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like ballot initiatives are the thing where it's like you should definitely go out and vote. You know, mm-hmm. like, um, like if if you can't bring yourself to vote for a candidate, uh, okay, cool, I get it. But um, the the ballot initiatives, like like in my town, I I uh, I have a town of like eight thousand people. Um, I don't have any libertarians on the ballot. I don't really know any of the candidates. You know, there's one like young Republican who's in the community groups on Facebook and stuff like that. And then I thought he sounded good. And then, you know, uh, he's he's down with using the local government to like take people's property to stop development because there's a lot of like Mennonites here. And, you know, it's it's kind of Amish country out here now. And um, so but there's there's also going to be a ballot initiative to increase the city council from three to five. Um, and I just keep going into the post and saying, like, more politicians is not going to solve anything. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and I'm going out to vote just to vote for that. Like, I'll bullet vote no on that. And then that's it.
3: I mean, that's basically where I'm at, man. I mean, I'm one of those people. I, I don't vote in presidential elections. Personally, I see very little, um, you know, use for that exercise for me personally. But obviously, I'm I'm really involved and engaged locally. And I feel the same way. I mean, the reason I was running for mayor is because I don't trust any of these other people. So I'm probably not going to vote for any of them. There's a couple that I've become, you know, pretty good allies with that I feel like, again, you would probably do less damage than these other people. Um, But ultimately, I'm, I'm excited about the prospect of being able to vote for something like Prop A specifically because it doesn't involve me having to like give my loyalty or put faith in a human being. It's just like, yes to this thing. And if this thing passes, this could lead to more good things. And I know for a fact that, you know, we've already got people ready to put this uh, to use. And I, t- I think I told you guys this story uh, last time, but just to kind of give it a little bit more um, concrete examples for those who, who want to understand it better. Ten years ago, I was a part of a group called Fluoride Free Houston, and we were trying to we were making environmental and libertarian arguments about getting fluoride out of the water. First, basically saying that it's the only thing that's added to the water. It's coming from tax dollars and that people should have a they should buy toothpaste if they want it. It shouldn't be you know put in the water force, medicated. But also talking about environmental concerns and we were showing city council, we had five council members sit down with us after emailing them, after calling them, and they were with us. They were like, wow, look, you're showing us some information I never heard of. Maybe this is a waste of money or maybe this is hurting people. They were willing to have the conversation. But at the end of the day, they all said, my hands are tied. I can't do anything because they had no power as they currently do no power to introduce anything. And, you know, you would expect if this is my local representative and I show up there and I say I have a problem, they're going to say, sure, next week at city council, we're going to introduce and we'll tell the mayor, hey, the people are concerned about fluoride in the water. Let's have a debate, discussion on this. And then you organize and you show up, but that's not the way it happens. They can't do that. Prop A would give them that power. And I believe if we had something like Prop A back then, we probably could have got fluoride out of the water in addition to other things 10 years ago. So, to me, it really does excite me about the idea that if this is used, if people choose to get active, because of course, if it passes and nobody takes advantage of it, then nothing's going to, it's not going to matter. But if people actually use it and, you know, hold the, these local representatives to the fire, I think it could lead to some real good. So I'm putting all my energy into it and I'm hoping tomorrow it's a smooth pass. And then hopefully other people in this city step up.
1: And yeah, that's another, one, one thing know. about that is, um, uh, even if, you know, by allowing uh, the city councilman to put things on the ballot, like not only can they maybe get some of the things passed, but at least they, they also, because they have to spend time talking about those things, all the stuff that the strong, a strong mayor would want to ram through. She has to pick, you know, she has to prioritize what she would put on the ballot then. So like it, anything that will slow these guys down a little bit, uh, from, uh, sometimes that may work the opposite way, but it sounds like that situation that the mayor has can put whatever on the, yeah, it sounds like they have total control over things. And this would maybe just break it up just a little bit, which is usually a good thing. I, uh, I know you
2: said you had to run here shortly, Derek, but one last thing I wanted to point out is that another theme in, in a lot of what you're saying that I'm hearing is, um, how much you are the initiator of things. And this is another thing that I really try to pound home with, with, uh, our libertarian friends of like, it really is incumbent upon us to, to cross the aisle and to go into these unknown regions and, and, uh, you know, talk to the, to the city council people ourselves, because, uh, you never know what's going to happen. You know, like you, you had, you probably had no idea that you would be able to sell five city council members on getting floor out of the water. If only they could, you know, get past the mayor. Um, you know, I've had that same thing, just like going to a sit, my, my city councilman when I lived in Norristown and this guy met me at a, uh, at a Starbucks and we had a nice long conversation about psychedelics and, and the science of psychedelics and, and potentially introducing uh, psychedelic decriminalization in, in uh, Norristown where I lived, where we don't even have legal weed as a state, you know? And, and like, you you never know what's going to happen. I mean, like I've, I've told this story, it's an old story now, but like, you know, I think on the second time I went to city council, where I was living in in Norristown, I just walked right up to the chief of police and asked him what was up with weed decriminalization, and he just was supportive, and we made that happen. You just so you never know, you never know, you have to go and try.
3: You just got to show up, man. I mean, I, just to wrap it up before I go. First off, thank you guys again for for letting me come in and hang out with you again. It's a great conversation. But yeah, I mean, just to echo your point, Mike, you just got to show up. Like that's all I ever do. I just show up. I just show up. I do things and. Like you said, you meet other people who are doing things and other people who give a shit and you build from there. And that's really all we can do. So I just happen to have a lot of energy. So I try to put as much into these kind of things as I can. But I want to encourage anybody else, you know, learn about the way your uh, local city council, town council works. Maybe there's an opportunity to push for something like a Prop A if you are dealing with a tyrannical government or kind of a power block um, and see what you can do. But at the very least, just make sure that you're out there exercising your voices and, and, you know, pushing back where you can appreciate it guys. Have
1: we, have we used you for any uh, trainings or anything yet uh, uh, for Mises pack? If we haven't, well, you'll be hearing from us maybe. So you can uh, yeah, help train so. some well, of our good. people. Good. Okay. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Good. We'll uh, I'll put your name on the list. So thanks, man. I appreciate right, it. And good luck with uh, peace Prop out, tomorrow. Peace
3: out, Aaron. Thank you guys. Bye guys.
1: Bye-bye. Congrats. That was cool. Mm. He is, he's very white pilling. Yeah.
0: Very white pilling.
1: Yeah. He's very inspiring. Yeah. Yeah. Uh but he's so all of us. That's the thing. He's <laughs> all of us. <laughs> yeah. Well, that just goes to show, like you said, like just showing up does is so much. Um uh, well, and that's the point is like a lot of people want quick fixes. They want to, okay, let's let's run a famous person for president and win, and then the libertarian revolution begins. But sad to say, and we keep saying this over and over again is that it's the opposite of that. Like it's not coming anytime soon. Uh, we have it, it will happen suddenly, but only after a lot of drudge work and a lot of, uh, step-by-step. And so we're, that's what the Mises caucus is trying to do is get that going because as many great people have been in the libertarian party over the past 50 years, that other thing just hasn't worked and I used to hope it would work and I thought it would work, but you know, 10 years of banging my head against the wall, it's like, Oh, well, maybe we should try something different.
2: Yeah. So anybody out there that's listening, if you have uh, elections tomorrow, you know, go help out a local candidate, man. Like you heard it from Derek himself, you know, like showing up and, and sometimes people don't even know what they're going to do when they get there and being, being the squeaky wheel that gets the grease, you know, like just being there and saying, Hey, like check out my guy, you know, um, I know I'm going to be out helping uh, uh, a school board candidate, Margaret Schmidt, uh, in my county. I got Rechtenwald helping uh, a school board candidate in his county, Allegheny County. Uh, he's going to be working a polling location for Emily Glick uh, for for city council. Um, you know, so we've got endorsed candidates all over all over the country. Well, I, I should say I think in, uh, across eight states. Um, we have our endorsed candidates. So, I mean, go out there and help, man. Even if you can't run, like, it's important to help people who are running in these kind of viable races. Um, and then another thing that's coming up that's important is uh, another thing that we've had success with is this uh, Defend the Guard efforts. You know, we've become very good friends with the, the folks over at Defend the Guard. And uh, we're, we're very, very proud of, uh, you know, mainly Amy Lepore's uh, effort on um, on this issue uh, and you know, we've recruited, I want to say close to 200 people to, uh, help them phone bank. And, you know, we're getting results like it's happening. Like we, we, you know, people flipped state house reps in, uh, New Hampshire that is now going to get a full, uh, vote from the New Hampshire state house. So there is a, another, another call bank for defend the guard coming up on the eighth on,
1: uh, Wednesday. You
2: know, yeah. On Wednesday. Thank you. And, um, this one will be to help the effort for defend the guard in Tennessee, uh, and the folks down there are doing a Second Amendment sanctuary uh, effort as well and then doing a uh, Tennessee takes uh, action event around the Second Amendment. So a lot of good issue work going on. Go to the website there, defendtheguard.us slash phone bank to, uh, to help that effort. This is probably the most viable thing that we can do in real life to, uh, to you know, live our principles when it comes to the uh, the warfare state um, is, is to deprive them of resources from the state. So that's probably the best we can hope for um, from our position, unfortunately, so- but.
1: I was seeing Nathan Polsky, who uh, is our, one of our guys down in Texas is getting DTG going there. Um, So that's awesome. And hopefully, um, Nathan, you should get Derek in on that. Uh, I'm sure he can have, if he doesn't have time to help personally, I'm sure he can connect you with some people. So, and uh, and all I can, all I can say though, is Jeff better win his election tomorrow for after standing us up. He said he's going to come on, uh, but he's out putting up campaign signs at polling locations. So Uh, hopefully that pays off and and we can have a politician. (laughs) That's right.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And Polsky, if you're out there, uh, I'll put another reminder, the rise coalition, uh, in, in Texas or in Harris County, uh, that Derek was talking about, check that out and maybe form an alliance with them. Once you are the chair of Texas, um, but yeah, I mean it's freaking politicians. He's got some funny shit going on in his his uh town council too that I was hoping that he would come talk about.
1: Who Jeff? He, he what's he run for? Exeter board of trustees or something. It's basically no, it's, like the city uh, council for his thing.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's it's uh I think it's technically town supervisor, which is uh, in PA, he he would remember the, the specifics better, but it's something like there's like different classes of cities. So if you're at one level or population, basically it's city council. If you're at another level, it's township supervisor, but it's all the same thing. It's local level legislative. Um, and uh, yeah, like there's some, there's some guy on his board that is like, that asks questions and is like a thorn in the side of, of the board. Who's like spending money hand over fist. Like they've eaten through um more than half of some fund that they have for the police in in like four years. And uh they have one guy on there who asks questions and is like a total pariah and they just had this guy, a sitting city, you know, council member like removed from the last meeting and Jeff would be an ally with this guy. And you know, some of the stuff that Jeff wants to do, man, like as his friend, I'm almost like, you know, because he really wants to he wants to cut the spending and and a lot of this there's a lot of police spending. You know, and and yeah. that could be, that could get yeah. touchy. Yeah. You know, like.
1: Yeah. I, Jeff is not going to, if he does get in there, he's not going to back down from that either.
2: No, he's not. No. Right. Yeah, he's not. <laughs> So and I told what? him that like I was like, dude, like we're we're all hardcore libertarians here, but like I'm saying this as your friend. Like, have you thought about yeah. that? Like, if you thought like, because he he named like four different little proposals of like, well, first of all, we don't even have cop cars anymore. It's all like cop SUVs, and these are like hundred and fifty thousand dollar vehicles. Like, why can't we just go back to the cars? There's no like terrorists here or anything like that. You know, like that's one thing uh, pushing for weed decriminalization and like defunding that and just defunding different victimless crimes and. Just ways that he would, he wants to. I wish he was here, man. What a
1: politician. Yeah, we'll, get, uh, we'll get him on. Brandy, when are you going to run for local office?
0: I'm thinking about it. I actually did a poll, but I, well, my poll was saying uh, I, I put well, that's, that's just because you run work for a- less shows no (laughs) i i did a poll on twitter that was like should i run against elizabeth warren should i run against the state senate should i run against the house rep which would have been i think catherine whatever the fuck her name is and then uh, or should i run against uh the state like my state house rep or not my state the local my area Uh, city council but 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 house rep the, my local representative and Elizabeth Warren tied, saying that people thought I should, that, those two. But like, I, I also, even city council, like I would be open to doing something like that. I don't know what would be more fruitful for me to do. Like, because Elizabeth Warren would obviously be a messaging campaign completely, and it would all just be about like getting a messaging out. I would clearly would not win, but I don't know.
2: You could, I don't know. You can draw from your work experience. We need more fat Indians. In, in- <laughs> yeah. Uh, in in the
1: senate
0: Whichever uh, one is statistically most winnable for you. Well, then statistically most winnable, like if you, winning the election or like,
1: yeah. But if you, if you're sane and you don't want to win, uh, then run against Elizabeth Warren and, and have fun with it. Twitch streamer takes on, uh, um, yeah. Uh, Pocahontas, but I don't know. I, I'm just, uh, I make jokes about not running, but I admire people like Jessica. That was forced. Mommy is Jessica Finsky. Like I could never, ever run for office. Like even if I, One or two, my wife wouldn't like that. But, like, I just, I'm allergic to like city council meetings from being a reporter. And I I just, the fact that we're ruled by people who like to go to school gymnasiums on Tuesday night and sit around and talk for three hours is why I could never do it. But those of you who are able to do it, um, uh, I thank you so I can uh, do other things for Liberty and you guys can go do the really horrible stuff in
2: my book is there anything that like from your experience when you were covering city council meetings was there anything federal like quote-unquote federal that ever came up like like was there ever like something that would interest us like holy shit they're trying to nullify like or was it all because this is uh, what i think most people think of and it's something that allows us to rock like go under the radar where it's like oh well this is just going to be about the roads and about zoning and and all right. of this shit. and it's like gun sanctuary
1: well it's, i think um, it it for the most part in my experience in green county ohio both at the county commission and, and city council and school board stuff it was basically all that procedural stuff uh every once in a while you would get there was like you were talking about with jeff there's like one guy on the council there're there's always like one guy who actually has some ideas and sometimes they're good and sometimes they're bad who uh there was one guy who did kind of Like try to bring up bigger issues about hey why are we spending all this money I don't even think he was a libertarian I think he was kind of just like a sensible Republican type guy and they just ignored him and went on with you know you know most of the meetings were like oh the sign for this business is too big Um, are we going to vote to let them have a bigger sign and then twenty minutes on. I don't like that sign design, you know, it was just like just the worst type of minutiae you could think of. But the, the reason why is is because they're all in broad agreement on, we have this tax money coming in and we are going to spend it on these things and not really. Th- so they argue about all these little details, partly because I think they enjoy the power over people's lives. But in general, I found they were all a broad agreement on, yeah, government should do this stuff and we're just going to keep doing it. So to, 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 to break into that um, again, like, so it depends on the, the format of how strong the mayor is and how you, can you get things on the agenda or not? So if you theoretically would be able to get a a person or two on the council who could make them debate about things, then you would force them to actually talk about ideas. But with absent that absent somebody who is looking at the bigger picture, it's going to be zoning variances and uh, access roads and, and uh, sewer rates and stuff like that.
2: Yeah. yeah. But that's why, that's why we got to get in there and spice it up. You know, you can kind of just, you know, sleep through that stuff and then, and then throw in the nullification. <laughs> and, and honestly, it'll probably blow their minds. Like, what do you mean? So like people probably gonna have to come ready with like the 10th amendment and all that kind of stuff. And,
1: Yeah. And I guess that's also with what Derek was talking about. And, and what you, you mentioned in in your town with the police chief is for those of you who want to do that. And I think, you know, we had uh, Jessica on uh, talking about her race uh, several weeks ago is like, she kind of got involved and met some of these people. And, you know, so if you come in out of nowhere and don't build up credibility with people, they're just going to see who's this guy um, you know, who's just got crazy political ideas. But if you make friends first and, you know, talk about a particular issue and and network and stuff, and then start laying, you know uh, some more libertarian type, bigger ideas on them they might listen to you because you built up some personal credibility with them. So I think that, and especially the smaller, the town, the more important that is because everybody knows everybody, you know, the, the people on the city council were like, one lady had been like a school teacher for 30 years and the other person, like their husband owned a business. And so like, it's a tight knit community and you can find your way in, but you just can't just like barge in and start throwing stuff around. My, yeah, Massachusetts
0: exactly. just loves Karens and same with like my local area. It's just like a sea of just a very particular type of person. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, I don't know. I feel like I would come in and they'd be like, like, who is this crazy lady? Um, but yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I, I How do people find like the information of getting in? Because to be honest, I feel like running for city council, that does sound slightly <laughs> tedious but I guess isn't all all of it would probably be slightly tedious I don't know <laughs> how I guess that's what you in, make
1: of it
2: how many people in your town because you're not in Boston right like you No,
0: I'm on the outskirts uh, but it's uh... and how I, I so 86,000
2: oh that's pretty solid yeah that's pretty okay yeah there's 8,000 in my town Like I I, I see people in like the community Facebook group talking about how, well, if a skate park go because we don't even have a police department. You know what I mean? Like we have state police. So I like see people like, well, if the skate park really does get built, it's gonna be a haven for crime and we need a police department and all this stuff. And I'm like, please, no more politicians, no cops. Like, we don't need this. It's a great town.
1: But no, I mean, just to find out, like, Nathan, so Uh, Nathan said that to just go to the city website better. Yeah. Just like call the town clerk or the, whatever, and just call the city's main line. Is like, Hey, I, um, I, how do you run for office or whatever? You could even say, Hey, I'm a college student doing a paper on what it takes to get on the ballot. If you don't want to out yourself that quickly and, and, Mm -hmm. uh, get them to send you the forms or, or the links or whatever. So for the most part, that part of it is, is, uh, is kind of easy. Um yeah. And then every, you know, some people you may not have to, all you have to do is sign the form and pay a small fee. Other places you got to get 25 signatures or, or whatever. Yeah, I mean, whatever. running
0: for yeah. like house, like local rep, it seems like it was pretty easy. And the, like, it obviously gets more intense the higher you get up. Like, uh, I know Warren, you need 10,000 signatures mm. to get on the ballot. So... I don't know. Do smoke, you sta- do
1: smoke signals count for sorry. I, I mm-hmm. just keep making native Native American smoke signals with the you guys never watch old Western movies. They didn't write things, they did smoke signals. I'm aware. I'm, I'm way too old. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> yeah. I have to decide if I would want to run a a, a legit campaign or a troll campaign, pretty much. Do I want to well, maybe troll? we
2: should maybe we should do a, a poll through our email? <laughs> we, if we if we do a poll through our email we, or, or like on our social media will you abide by the results
0: Will like i abide even... by the results let me think yeah. about it maybe yeah or okay. or we
2: could yeah. even put like then... Noda. you know what i mean like and we can make yeah. graphics where it's like you in like a business suit running for city council or like you in like a with like a tomahawk you know running for senate <laughs> and, and... or just like the
1: tw- in her twitch environment like you know doing the video games or whatever but like i, I think that the higher the the bigger the office the more the troll right because you're not going to win for senate so you might as well try to get as much pub as you can but if you're running for town council then then minimal to no trolling i would say
0: exactly yeah i mean but i feel like myself as a person is just kind of a troll so it's like i don't know uh i don't know what would what would be more beneficial or what would be more like fruitful for the movement in general
1: Uh, Well, and I, I also think though, and this is actually a serious point that you have to know your strengths, your, the things you like and you hate. And like, for me, it would not be, even if I could win, uh, you know, uh, go join, uh, Glenn Jacobs on the uh, Knox County board of supervisors, like that would not be good for me personally, just Temperamentally, It would not be good for my family. It would not be good for, it would be a waste of the talents that I do have, I think. So, but people who are, who do like to do that sort of thing, if it fits you do that. So like, mm-hmm. don't try to, you know, shoehorn yourself into something. Uh, that you're not good at it, that you don't like. So, you know, when you, when people would always ask Ron Paul, you know, well, how should I uh, advance Liberty? How, well, when should I run for Congress? He would say things like, no, well, if you're a musician, write song. you know, write songs, if you're a writer, write that, if you're a teacher, mm-hmm. make, you know, do your best in whatever you're good at. And even if you do come over to politics, like if you're not that guy to, 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 to give speeches and sit on uh, boards, Do something else to help the guy who is. So like if, if that's, if there's something else that you would want to do, uh, that you could, um, actually impact the movement in a good way that fits your, you know, your personality and your circumstances better, don't feel guilty for not being the person on the sign, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So are we um what do these say is I've said it before, I think I'm gonna bring my dog in one time to show uh to well, Are to we counteract- having a head off? Nathan's I could
0: I can bring my snake, that'll go over really well. <laughs> my snake, I mean come on, That'd be like cool. also libertarian vibes. I will. I will bring my snake. He's a great time. He was just yeah. in my bring last burlesque show. He's, Does he now, have a, he's now a performer. <laughs> Does
1: he have a name?
0: Uh his name is Hermes.
1: Hermes, okay. Mm-hmm okay snakes don't uh, fly yeah yeah winged messenger yeah there's no <laughs> he's a snake
2: not a, a dragon no, okay.
0: no right. a snake exactly all <laughs> right so
1: hopefully we'll have some uh um uh victories to talk about very soon uh go to takehumanaction.com if you want to be on the mises uh, caucus mailing list um we are going to be promoting what happens tomorrow with our 19 candidates and i'm Amy tells me that we're going to have some victories. Uh, you never know, but we got a uh, a whole lot of great candidates plus Jeff Douglas running tomorrow. So uh, hopefully we'll have some good news and uh, uh, maybe get some of those people on next week and, and whatever else as always give a, a plug to the um, rectal wall campaign, Mike, before we say goodbye.
2: Rectal got a lot more media coming up. And uh, like I said, I've pretty much developed the, uh, what we're going to do with the campaign. We're recruiting state campaign coordinators left and right uh you know we got uh I don't I don't know, I can't say it but we've got some very cool opportunities out of that that Timcast uh episode that I'm really happy about got the yeah. Judge Knapp interview uh, or endorsement I should say and and he's now a regular weekly rotation piece on Judge Knapp's show so he's already getting solid uh exposure um so you know join the revolution wrecktheregime.com rec wrecktheregime.com
1: okay well uh oh there's a Twitter space tomorrow night too right on lp Mises caucus right are we doing that tomorrow night Mike
2: no that's the that's the twelfth bro
1: oh it's the twelfth I thought it was tomorrow yeah. for some reason yeah man I'm, I'm I'm sorry but you, Everything-
2: but you called you call me not remembering for a second that I am yeah I'm doing I'm doing town hall q and a's uh on on Twitter spaces okay um, you know to talk about rec talk about the caucus, talk about future plans, you know, whatever people want to ask about.
1: Okay. All right. Um, I appreciate it. Good to see you again, Brandy, and uh, we'll see you all next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Peace.